0: Okay, you guys, so this was one of the hardest things I've ever done, Whew. but we're always up for a challenge, right? So today's episode is a little different, but I think you're going to find it really interesting. Frankly, I'm not sure it's ever been done before. In today's episode, I'm sitting down with fellow Fifth Sense ambassador and friend, Charlie Atkins. Charlie is a congenital anosmic, which means she's never had a sense of smell. And last fall, she sent me a bunch of questions she had about smells. It was over 20 questions that she just downloaded from her brain into an email. She was curious, you know, which I think is awesome, because she's navigating this world that, frankly, privileges smellers. So naturally, if you don't have the experience of smelling the world around you, you want to understand a few things to better help you navigate everyday life. She had questions like, what does it feel like to smell? How does smell travel and stick to things? And if my clean clothes touch my dirty clothes, how long do I have until my clean clothes start to smell? Interesting, right? We smellers don't think about these things. We just do things instinctively. But if you don't understand smells, you've never experienced them, you can see how you might be a little curious and want some answers. So you guys, it was really hard. I have to be honest. The questions are like interpreting a foreign language. But I did it, I answered all of her questions, which you'll hear in a minute. I wanna clearly preface though, that my answers are coming from a lay person's perspective. I'm not a scientist and these aren't scientific answers. They're responses based on what I know about our sense of smell. And frankly, just based on how I navigate the world as a smelling person. I think you're really gonna enjoy it though. Hopefully it'll give you some new perspectives. And if you're a congenital anosmic, I hope it helps you in some small way. So let's get started. Enjoy my conversation with Charlie Atkins. This is an aromatic life, the podcast that aims to shed light on our beautiful sense of smell and increase its profile in a culture dominated by sight and sound. My name is Frau Gallia. I'm a certified aromatherapist and smell coach who spent over 20 years in and around the fragrance industry. What I know for sure after all these years is that our sense of smell is powerful, yet is so underappreciated. There's so much we can do to harness our sense of smell to be well. So join me as I explore this mesmerizing sense from all different angles and learn what it can do for you. Enjoy the show. Hello, Charlie. I want to welcome you to an aromatic life. I'm so excited to have you here today. Boy, are we going to do something different?
1: I know. I'm so excited. And it's just, <laughs> just hearing you say that like to me, it just feels so <laughs> exciting because I've been listening to you say it on my own in my car for so long. <laughs> uh,
0: I So how long have we known each other now? Um. So Two I years? kind of Got involved
1: with Fifth Sense kind of around, uh, oh, it's around the Day of Disability in twenty twenty.
0: So, around, oh, yeah. yeah, two four, years. We're coming up to two years now. Two, coming we're up coming. for
1: two years, yeah,
0: yeah. So for the listeners, Charlie and I are both ambassadors for Fifth Sense, and I brought Charlie here today because she and I, you might have been talking off and on about just about our sense of smell and smelling for an obvious reason to you because you are congenital anosmic, which means you've never known the sense of smell. You've never been able to smell anything, right? Since birth.
1: Yeah, never been able to smell. Uh, we assume since birth, like never had any memory of smell whatsoever. And I, you you just seemed like a really nice person to reach out to when I was like, um, how does this work? hi, can I have an explanation on this? Yeah, Yeah, and
0: and I was happy to do that as I could. And so I think it was last year at some point, Charlie's like, I'm just going to send you a bunch of questions that I have. And she proceeded to send me about 20 questions. I was like, oh, wow, (laughs) she has a lot of questions. Um, Maybe we could turn this into a podcast episode because I think if you have these questions, there's probably a whole bunch of people out there, both who can't smell, have never known smell, and those who can smell even that might also be curious about these questions. So here we are. We finally made it. We're able to (laughs) do this episode, and we're going to be answering 20 questions today. So we'll get into that in a minute, but I wanted to start, um, Charlie, by just having the listeners get to know you a little better. I've gotten to know you, obviously, over the last two years, but the others don't know you. So Let's start by, can you just share your anosmia story with the listeners a little bit? Yes. Yeah,
1: so, I mean, I'm 26 now. And so that's 26 years of not being able to smell anything. Um, it's one of those things. I, I have this thing that I call the stages of a congenital anosmic. And it basically starts with the, I don't know what's going on. Everyone's talking about stuff. What What are they talking about? And then you move into the oh there's this thing called smell but I think you can learn how to do it or you just grow into it it'll be fine so I'll just pretend I can do it until I've caught up because you don't want anyone to know that you're behind right um and then you move on to the oh oh no I can't learn this like it's not something I can learn it's not something I'll grow into no one can know I'm I don't I can't do this. So you start to panic and you start to hide it, try and hide it from people so that they don't find out. And then eventually you're just outed. Something happens. You get outed and then eventually you kind of come to terms with it and you start to tell people just to make your life easier so you don't have to explain it quite as much. Um, and then eventually, if you get far enough down the line, you become like me and make it your entire life and your entire personality. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and you embrace it. Yeah, you just and embrace it. And you celebrate it in a way. Like you said, yeah. this is just who I am and I'm no less yeah. than anybody else.
1: Yeah, so my story definitely followed that Like pattern. Like I didn't know what was going on. I kind of learned that something was wrong, but I just kind of like just, try to my best keep on top, keep up, keep up.
0: Do you remember then, when that happened? Sorry. Do you remember kind of,
1: it's really, it was I when did. I was really, really young. It was kind of like primary school. So, which is uh, like, I think it was like seven, five eight. to seven. Yeah. And then when I was around eight, that's when I got outed. Ah. so we were on a trip to a zoo with my family and we went into this rat enclosure and you know people don't like rats so people were just walking out and I was like oh it's just because I don't like rats so but I don't I don't mind rats so I stayed and I had a look around I was like loving it I was watching them scurry around after a while I was like oh where are all my family so I went out to try and find them and they were stood there like staring at me like I was crazy and I was like what's wrong like how could you stay in there it's like oh, it's just rats like they're behind a glass like what are you chatting about and then they were like no 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 it's stank in there like no one could physically stand to be in there and I was like hmm? and then they're like, oh, you definitely can't smell can you I was like oh no I guess not wow yeah and then they started noticing it more when I wouldn't notice that food was coming or what was ha- like food was coming out or food was being prepared i just wouldn't notice okay. yeah so so then it's just kind of and then you gradually start to tell more and more people i remember vividly at school having to tell my science teacher and just not believing me at all really <laughs> yeah organic chemistry like you, w- one of the pathways in organic chemistry the only way to tell that it's happened is that it changed, it smells different uh. And okay. I was like, I can't do this. And she was like, oh, it'll be fine. Like, you, you'll be able to smell it. I was like, no, I can't smell it. And like, oh, you have a cold. Okay, well, when you don't have a cold, this is what will happen. I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. There's no physical way I can do this. Like, no chance. She's like, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. It's, you'll be able to tell. So in the end, never do it. PSA, do not try this at home. Right. I just stuck it under my nose and took a deep breath and just said, no. Like, look, wow. there's nothing, and she obviously panicked because never in hell can look was like that. Yeah, yeah. But like, that's basically, and she she just didn't get it, and no one ever. That does. was the only
0: way you can get her attention, really. To yeah, say, exactly. I'm not making this up. This is happening. Yeah.
1: And to get her just to move on, like I wasn't Mm. even looking for a solution, just move on. And it's stuff like in, in English, when people would be like, Oh, use all five senses to describe. And you're like, well, what what five I can give you four. Right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. I'm so glad there's more awareness now. Do you feel like there's a lot more awareness than let's say 20 years ago?
1: Yeah, definitely. And the whole pandemic and, anosmia nosmia kind of coming into more of the public view that way that's really helped just kind of make it seem like oh people get this and it's not just like old people you know yeah, people yeah. do have this um but now i have the problem of no one believing that i don't have covid or that like oh acquired is the default you know yeah.
0: it's like there's still so plenty of things to educate people about that's for sure yeah and d- yeah did you go see a doctor <laughs>
1: Um, so that's a combination of my parents not thinking that it was necessary and doctors not thinking that there's, there was any point. So I, the first time I ever went to a doctor because I couldn't smell was when I was at uni.
0: Okay. Um,
1: So when I was not like 19, 20, I was like, ah, I've got some free time. Let's go see what's going on you know, yeah. see if they can tell me why, like, I don't really, like, there's nothing, I don't want it to be cured, I'm quite rare in that fact, like, mm-hmm. it's a bit of a split, some, some people want it cured, I personally don't, I think it would be too overwhelming, like, mm-hmm. I don't want that, okay. so, um, but I didn't want it cured, I just wanted an answer as to why, like, you know, what's going on, I went, and they just spent two years giving me different versions of, like, anti, like, like no nasal sprays and things to get rid of allergies and it's like how long do you think i've been allergic to things for like they were basically
0: then, yeah yeah and that was straws it was really and that was mm-hmm. it
1: they never bothered to go any further and okay. i do need to like now i found fifth sense i do desperately need to go now i know what i need to ask for i need to get referred but i just haven't got around to it okay
0: okay I'm going to ask you the question that I ask everybody who comes on An Aromatic Life, and I want to hear your perspective as someone who's never smelled anything in her 26 years. So what does the sense of smell mean to you? Well, that's
1: the first. A big sigh.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
1: Like, it's just, oh, we're talking about smell. (laughs) Like... And how important it is. Oh, of course, you know, yeah. I appreciate I'm on this podcast, but, you know. <laughs> but, and, and then second would just be like loneliness and isolation. Like everyone's always talking about this thing that you just have no idea about. You, you don't even have a concept that exists. It's not like, oh, I'm a, like, I know there's something in the periphery, or like, oh, I know there's something. But I can't quite get it. It's like I have no idea.
0: No it concept well... of it. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's it's not like I've had it and forgot and lost it and therefore had an idea of what it should be. It just doesn't exist.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And then you just feel isolated because no one else understands
0: that. So do you feel yeah. like people are talking about smells a lot? <sighs> More It'd be than interesting you would think. To hear for me to yeah, because I probably don't realize it. Because it's just one of many things, you know, but for you, it sticks out.
1: People don't think they talk about smell a lot. Okay. But I think if you, if you're constantly aware that you don't know what they're talking about, it gets brought up a lot. It's like, oh, this smells amazing. Like when food comes out or like walking in, oh, we're having this. Mm. How do you know? Oh, the fire's on. How do you know? Oh, like, you know, it's all of these little things like and it's stuff like you'll see air freshener and you're like oh that's Ah. for those people those that's for those weirdos who have a sense of smell they need to freshen this air (laughs) (laughs) I'm like oh yeah
0: so
1: there's just constant reminders that you are like you don't know what's happening and someone else has something that you don't
0: wow yeah it's it's I love talking to you because it gives me a new perspective. I mean, it's something that obviously for me, I'm somebody who's always wanting people to think about their sense of smell for the smelling community, right? That's my whole, Mm. um, why I, you know, I, I want people to appreciate it more those that have it, but it also is interesting for me to learn that people do either. It's around you, you see it around you, like the products that you said, or people are talking about it I, I think Dia a friend of ours who's also mm. an ambassador and who I had on the podcast who's also congenital anosmic she said that um she thinks people are always just talking about bad smells That's yeah it does tend on. to be
1: bad like it, it is it's just like oh that stinks <laughs> oh like you know oh that smells so bad oh have you smelled yeah. this and it's like yeah yeah oh like it doesn't sound like a good thing like why are you guys obsessed
0: <laughs> so you're not missing anything really So no, really? yeah. bad, <laughs> <It's> all bad. <laughs> oh all right well thank you for telling your story a little bit um i think it's, it helps give people a context and should we get into these questions i'm i was nervous about this i was telling you this i was, I was nervous i'm hoping that i do it justice because for all my listeners out there it would seem like these questions would be easy to answer and they're not because I just take things for granted and it really forced me to think about it more deeply. So thank you for that. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to kind of stretch myself and, Um, I I do want to preface that I'm not a chemist, (laughs) I'm not a scientist, and a lot of the questions that you have are about how things work, and a lot of it is because smells are physical odor molecules, they're chemical properties, right, so I'll give you as much as I know, but please know that this is kind of almost coming from a layperson's perspective, which
1: yeah, and I think that's the key point, isn't it, like when you can do it, you innately know. But when you can't do it, you have to know how it works in order to be able to know without sensing it. You know, you have to kind of have rules to follow, and without and to get the rules, you have to know how it works. Right. And so I appreciate it's quite difficult, but just like <laughs> knowing that some things, it just helps to know that, like, generally people don't know about this. So it's not that I'm just less. It's not that as a congenital and osmic, I just don't know things. It's just that no one really knows or no one really thinks about it. Yeah. And also it's just like, it just helps to know that other people will have like this memory jog to think, oh, I must, I must think about this more. Like, yeah.
0: So I think it can help mm. everybody. That's what I'm hoping this uh, episode will do for everybody. Right. To help yeah. the <laughs> entire smell spectrum, no matter where you are. In that spectrum. So let's get started. I'll let you ask the questions and then I'll do my best to answer them. Here we go.
1: Yeah. So the first one is just, the, what does it feel like to smell? Just in general, what does it feel just like? Just general, out? like, what does it feel like? Do you, is it like a sensation in your nose? Is it like, do you feel, is it like in your brain? Like,
0: okay. So here's how I would answer that. I'm, um, it's actually a great way to start. I'm glad you asked this first uh, because I just, we're going through it in the order that it came out of your brain. So <laughs> I'm not doing it. These are the questions. <laughs> She's laughing. Um, so the short answer is it can feel good and it can feel bad and it depends on the odor and the feeling happens both mentally, so psychologically, and the feeling happens physically. So it's, it's, and the reason for that is because your sense of smell, the way it works is when an odor molecule comes into your nose, it hits two parts of your brain at the same time. So that's different than your other senses, actually. It's really unique. It hits your limbic system and your cerebral cortex, which means the limbic system. So that's more the instinctive part of your brain. This is the automatic responses, the emotional responses you have. So your amygdala, which is your emotional center, and it's also the unconscious part. So it's kind of like you just immediately feel something in the brain. Oh. So that's it hits that part and then it hits the cerebral cortex at the same time, which is the conscious part of your brain. So that's where you do your thinking, you're perceiving, you have your attention. So that, that part of your brain is, is um, also where language is stored. So that's where odors are recognized so that's when I'll be able to say oh that smells like a rose or that smells like this like that all right so these two things are happening spontaneously simultaneously at the same time oh I love what she's thinking she's thinking processing
1: (laughs) I mean that just explains so much as to why people have such a gutter reaction when they like smell stuff and they have to say something it feels like they they have to it's because like it's just
0: taking over yeah and 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 if you th- So smell and taste are the only two chemical senses. So they're actually physical molecules that are coming into your body. So um, we're recording this the day after Valentine's Day. And yesterday I, I, <laughs> I posted something about, uh, on Valentine's Day, about odor molecules like from one person coming into the other person. So even you, you who are not able to register a smell there's still physical odors coming into your body. So your, your partner, his smell is still coming inside of you, which I think is fascinating. I think you find that really weird and complex, but I just find that so fascinating that your sense of smell is able to do that just because it's a, a physical property coming from, yeah. from everything around us, inside of us for a moment. And then, yeah,
1: and then, I mean, we think about that quite a lot, like the connection with your partner just perhaps isn't there as much when you can't smell but like it's and bad. that's one of the, that's that's one of the reasons that it's like oh maybe I don't want to smell like what if i change my mind what if i don't like chocolate what if i don't like my partner like <laughs> when i when i can smell if i could smell but i'm sure that's not the case but those things do kind of go through your head
0: yeah 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 no but it's um i wanted to share also because i thought this was interesting there's a statistic that i read and i thought this was just crazy so you know how I was telling you we're taking in odor molecules? You are too. You're taking them in. <laughs> They're just part of your breathing, everyday life. Um, and there's this statistic that your nose filters about seven to eight liters, which is about two gallons for us Americans, <laughs> of air uh, that you breathe every minute. So 78 liters, are, your nose is filtering. Your nose is really busy just getting crap out of your nose and, and just taking in things and, and odor molecules are a part of that. And so like I was looking up, I'm like, so what is the equivalent of seven to eight liters? And there's this website that tells you what things are equivalent to. It's, it was kind of funny. So it's about 14 venti size Starbucks coffees. You know, those big, <laughs> huge coffees, Yeah. 14 of them every minute you're breathing in so anyway that was a fun little stat
1: (laughs) that's incredible at least it makes me feel like my nose is less useless now it's useful for you yes yeah it's still useful even though it's just like it doesn't do the smelling it's still doing stuff
0: (laughs) it's doing stuff absolutely it's cleaning your it's keeping things it's like it's an entry point to your body and it's it's filtering a lot of stuff Mm. so it's it's very useful that thing in the middle of your face
1: yeah so so do you only like smell when when you're breathing like when you breathe in or is it just kind of always there
0: always 24 oh, 7
1: see that you're always breathing the minute
0: you stop the minute you stop breathing you're dead right so you're I mean, true. breathing. <laughs> that's a good point <laughs> as you breathe you smell <laughs> yeah that's basically that it. makes sense
1: so the next question how does smell like travel and stick to things? So a big part of like not under having congenital anosmia is like never really understanding how it works. And everyone's all always just knows these things. Like, oh, ha- like if I sit on a sofa, how? Ha- like if I'm sweaty and I sit on the sofa, like how does the smoke sofa then smell? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. How does it
0: work? Okay, I had to like really pick this one apart because. It is intuitive, right? So let's let's talk about this traveling thing, how how smells travel first. So the first thing you need to understand is that odor molecules, by their nature, they're some of the lightest molecules on earth. That's why they're in the air and they float around in the air. They're volatile. So what is volatility? Let me just explain that. So volatility is when something goes from a liquid to a gas state. So you could have like essential oils or liquids, right? but they smell and it's only the it's 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 the, the volatility comes when an essential oil is put on something like when we're working in um in my smell coaching work that I do um we put things on a scent strip and as soon as it, the liquid comes on the scent strip it evaporates so the because each odor is made up of so many chemical components I mean, coffee itself, I think, has 400 different chemical components, the smell of coffee. That's just one example. I mean, everything has lots of chemical components in it. So it's not like a singular, even though we think it's one odor molecule, it's not. It's made up of thousands of, not thousands, hundreds of odor molecules. Anyway, so it's this, so it's volatile. It's floating in the air and different odors have different rates of volatility. So they'll travel through the air at different rates. So, to give you an example, a citrus smell. So, something like the smell of an orange, if you peel an orange or a lemon, um, anything citrusy, that has really high volatility. That means it floats in the air really quickly. It gets into your nose really fast because it's just traveling. It's, It's lighter, it's the lightest. So, it travels very quickly, but then it also dissipates more quickly. Compare that to something. Like you might have heard of sandalwood, right? A lot of people like sandal. You, I'm using. You talk about it a lot. <laughs> I do. <laughs> well, I guess I do. I don't know. Uh, wood things, like woody things, woody smells. Those are heavier molecules, heavier odor molecules, and because of that, they don't float around as quickly, but they stay stay around longer. So I guess my my the big picture, what I'm trying to say is odor molecules have different rates of volatility and they move around us, they travel, as you like to call it, uh, based on airflow. So if there's a lot of airflow, if you've got a window open and things are then then those molecules, because they're so light, even though some are heavier and lighter than others, they're still light because they're floating in the air invisibly. So airflow makes them travel the other thing that you should know kind of about odors is that is this idea of diffusion so this is these odor molecules diffusing in the air and naturally they'll always diffuse from an area of high concentration to an area of low concentration and eventually, <laughs> does this make sense? And eventually yeah, it kind of just yeah. goes, it, it just becomes a an equilibrium, right? It's So it'll continue to move until it reaches this equilibrium with other things that are in the air.
1: The same way as when you put squash into water, like um, mm-hmm. syrup into water and then you mix it and then it all goes.
0: Like it osmosis, things, be- yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So that's what, so in, in, the case of odors and smelling we use the word diffusion and you go from high concentration. So that's how it kind of travels. So yeah. something might start out and there's only there's a point when we can smell something. There's a threshold. So there are things that we as humans can't smell and everybody's different in at what point they can start to smell something. Um I mean it gets so complex but I'm gonna <laughs> try to keep it simple. But um
1: that makes sense. So I just need to research volatility. <laughs> <laughs> if
0: you every, want to know every, what?
1: Every, every single, single thing. I'm like, oh, how long will this last? I'll be like, what's the volatility? Okay, low, we're okay.
0: <laughs> but the thing is, a lot of things haven't been evaluated. Like every day, if you're really curious, there's a really great book that just came out called Nosedive by Harold McGee. And he attempts to kind of explain all the smells that are in not all the smells, but many smells in the world. I think that would be a great reference book for you. I'm just gonna put it out I think I might
1: need that. Like <laughs> I'll have to look it up. Thank it you. It might confuse
0: you a little bit, but you know, it gives you some idea of of the, of yeah. the smelling world, I suppose. Something yeah, that's to consider. Really,
1: that's really helpful, thank you. It makes a lot of sense that actually, the reason that people can't tell me a, a concrete rule is because it's different for every single smell.
0: Exactly that's the confusion. it's different for every single smell some things are more penetrating they're just heavier yeah. they're the odor threshold is you know like lower so it's the concentration of yeah. the amount so that's why over time you know if you're trying to go from a high concentration to um, yeah it
1: takes them longer to move so heavy means that you can be closer before You like you have to be closer before you get them, and also they stick around longer. Whereas light means that they hit you quicker, but then they disappear quicker.
0: But they can also be like you can smell like a an orange is really present and is is Mm. beautiful and like strong. Mm. Oh no, nothing to do with
1: strength. Nothing to do with strength. It's just how quickly it hit. How close you have to be and how quickly it hits you, and how quickly it goes away.
0: Yeah again this is a, a lay person's <laughs> discussion i just want to preface I'm this sorry. somebody listening might be like these people have no idea what they're talking about i feel like we, i i think it I, I guess what i'm trying to say about sense of smell is that it's not so it's there's no easy compact answer no and i appreciate depends you on trying what you're smelling yeah yeah yeah
1: number three is much easier okay. given what you've told me if my clean clothes touch my dirty clothes How long do I have until the clean clothes smell and I have
0: to wash it all? All right. So here's another answer. It depends, right? (laughs) So how dirty are your clothes and what are they soiled with? Like if you've been working out, if you ran a marathon and you've been sweating for four hours, you have a lot of odorous bacteria on you (laughs) and your clothes that are sticking to your clothes. And if you put that on top of clean clothes, you know, the diffusion is going to happen quickly. So I think this diffusion concept should hopefully help you a little bit, even though it's coming onto surfaces as opposed to in the air. But um, everyday clothes that you wear that are just kind of lightly, you know, normal going about your day smelling, um, it's not going to affect your clean clothes. The longer you keep it there, it's, yeah, things might start transferring over. The, the I'm thinking heavy- about
1: my my pile of shame
0: like, your pile <laughs> of shame on the floor. but as long as as long as
1: I have a little bit of I never put the really dirty stuff there because I might forget it's really dirty.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that goes straight into the washing. <laughs> <laughs> but you
1: know,
0: yeah, I, I mean, try to keep them separate. It's always good, then you don't have to rewash things, but it's not the end of the world. If you've done it for days, yeah, yeah you might, you know through uh, diffusion and osmosis they might start to blend and become similar in smell yeah
1: I'm just trying to save my washing I tend to just wash everything all the time anyway so I'm just trying to save it a little bit but that definitely helps okay diffusion so next one how do you buy products to avoid clashing smells because they all say oh i this smells like this, this smells like lavender, this smells like rose, this smells like honey but if you don't know what any of those things smell like you don't know what works together and what clashes and what works with you or what clashes so is there any safe bet?
0: This is the one I told you there's one of them that I didn't know how to <laughs> okay. answer this was the one just because which is funny because my professional career I spent working with um Everyday products and shampoos and things like that. And as a smelling person, I've never thought of it from the perspective that you did. So clashing smells. So I might have, so I take a shower with a shampoo that has a, um, I don't know, a floral smell, like a flowery smell. And even though I wash that off, there's always some smell that still lingers in your hair. Okay. So suddenly I have this floral hair smell. And then I decide to put on some lotion on my thing and I want to use lavender and I put lavender scented lotion on my, my body. I don't think as a smelling person, and I can only speak for myself. I don't think about the clashing so much. What ends up happening is you buy things that you like and they, they typically just kind of, I don't know, they become kind of background smells. They don't clash so much. I don't find and there's nothing when you say type of smell that's safer to try and get you mean so you don't offend others is that what you're worried about
1: yeah so so also you you just picked up on something that's kind of part of the problem you buy stuff that you like
0: I don't know what I
1: like like I look at it I look at it and I'm like ah, this one's red
0: you know Yeah. yeah 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 do you buy unscented sometimes I tend to buy unscented
1: for anything that I can, so like deodorant, lotions, those sort of things I try to buy unscented just because it's safer, but there's some things that you just can't do that for, like Don't shampoo you. or, you know, a when lot you- of washing powder, you can't get unscented, you can only get like fresh linen
0: <laughs> like even they have sensitive they have sensitive skin type of things maybe you have to look for that unscented mm. it's probably more difficult it's, it's probably buried somewhere down below because they're trying to sell you the smelly stuff but um I think in your case the more you can use unscented the it's it's not a safety like when you say safety I'm curious what do you mean by safety
1: I just get really paranoid that people think I stink or like okay. oh that clashes like oh that she smells really bad because like she's got this going with that and it's just all going wrong but
0: because I do not want I- you to worry
1: because <laughs> also I when I was growing up my mom told me I couldn't wear anything scented like I couldn't wear perfume I couldn't wear scented stuff because it would make me smell worse that's what I grew up being told (laughs) so like I get really paranoid it's like oh I put this in my hair but then like does that mean now I can't like go anywhere near anything else because then that will add another layer
0: yeah you're you're shaking your head (laughs) oh no 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 I find it fascinating because I think most the scented products on the market are there because the people who can smell just like to they don't yeah they sometimes they give an efficacy cue to people or they are meant to make you feel nice cuz you know smelling is an emotional thing as i just explained it hits your it hits your emotional centers of your brain too but for someone who doesn't benefit from smells like you said unscented anything is probably just as easy as as opposed to forcing yourself to say oh, i'm i should get lavender this and rose yeah. that it it's really it doesn't serve any product physical benefit. Like it's not going to help you. The smell is not going to clean the clothes better. You know what I mean? Like to keep, get the soil out. That's not the purpose of it.
1: That makes sense. So essentially I just need to not worry about it because there is no no clashing to worry about.
0: There is no clashing to worry about. Amazing. Most things are pretty, and some people might disagree with this. Some people might say, Oh my gosh, I can, I can smell a mile away. If somebody has that, um, you know, really strong, fresh, clean linen clothing smell because some of those washing powders are really overly scented and really, ugh, and you can really, but that's very rare. I I don't- That's a them problem. That's a what problem? (laughs) That's a them problem. Exactly. So (laughs) I I want you to not worry so much about this. That's
1: good. Thank you. Uh, Okay, so this one's a big one. Okay. Okay. what foods should you avoid eating at work slash heating up? Because my rule at work is hilarious because it's just no smelly foods at your desk. And I'm like, great.
0: They don't Any specify. <laughs> <laughs> so huh, this one, uh, just naturally, I can, uh, I can just off the top of my head say some of the things that are the biggest offenders are fishy smells. So anything with fish so a lot of people I remember used to bring tuna fish sandwiches in. Um, so avoid that. Anything with fish and also eggs because they have a lot of sulfur compounds in them, the the odorous components of them. So, you know, yeah. you, so I would just you avoid pretty them. much
1: named my two favorite sandwiches.
0: <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Tuna fish and eggs, hard boiled eggs. I like egg mayo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Egg mayo. There you go. Well, what can I tell you, keep those for home. I think people might not like it so much when you bring those into work. Also, I, when I'm on airplanes, sometimes now you have to bring in your own food. So people bring a lot of the fast food, the McDonald's that's at the airport. And that has a lot of grease on it, just it's highly odorous, so fast food. So I would avoid bringing in fast food if possible. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So what you're
1: saying, Frauke, is that when I, as a teenager, snuck KFC into my bedroom by just hiding it behind my back, uh-huh. and then that didn't work,
0: <laughs> you're telling me that everyone knew that I was bringing it in. <laughs> yes, I will have to say that is what happened. Anybody who could smell can smell that KFC, definitely. So I wasn't being sneaky. <laughs> no, didn't work. <laughs> oh (laughs) also curries are very smelly kimchi I don't know if people eat that a lot in the UK but it's more um but those are fermented foods like broccoli heated up broccoli and cauliflower (laughs) you don't seem to like those anyway but um those are really um raw onions another thing that really has a a strong smell so that hopefully that gives you an idea yeah,
1: that, that's really helpful because,
0: yeah. So salads that, that, are pretty safe. Anything like a turkey or chicken sandwich, as long as you don't have the onions or the garlic in there. Um, yeah. Pretty bland really carrots. <laughs> they don't have a smell, really. <laughs> I don't know if you like So I'm carrots. good with
1: hummus and carrots. That's there you good. go.
0: That's very good. Yeah. That's a good one. Hummus okay. and carrots, good.
1: Thank you. I, I I hope to no longer be the most ho- silently hated person in the office <laughs>
0: <laughs> we don't want that you should be loved
1: following on from that because this is how my brain works apparently <laughs> how long do food smells last so like garlic breath or like the fish smell in your house
0: if yeah, I were to so... eat
1: fish how long do I have to warn people that I've fish
0: <laughs> So unfortunately, those kind of smells that we just talked about, they tend to linger for a long time. And I have to believe they're volatile, but they're very, they're, I would argue, I haven't looked it up, but they're probably heavier molecules that like to stick to porous things. So they get stuck in our hair, they get stuck in curtains in like when I cook and I'm done, like if I make a curry or anything that's highly odorous, even when I um, you know roast broccoli in the oven or something that smell is incredibly strong and I'll always open a window just because I don't want the whole house to smell like food the whole time you know baked goods are different somehow we all like the smell of baked goods and we can have that stuff lingering all the time but most you know dinner lunch food it's some of them are really smelly and you just open the windows a lot
1: are we talking like hours or like a day
0: not a day it de- again it depends on it airflow. Depends. if you yeah. leave your door and window open for a long time or the extractor fan um mm. that you know tends to move the the odor molecules out more quickly it's about airflow yeah and and how quickly you can get things to move in a space that makes sense yeah even Thank if they're you. invisible unfortunately <laughs> i know you're like what but fans are good. I would get a fan. I would get a windows open. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Extractors, extractors on, windows open. The same way as I deal with it when I accidentally burn stuff.
0: There you go. Yeah.
1: The, I'll, I'll treat it the same. Like if the, if the smoke might have gone. Now, if you're
0: by yourself, gone. it's not going to bother you.
1: Oh, yeah. I don't actually care if I'm on my own.
0: But if <laughs> like... you're with others who smell, Them if this is bothersome to them, some Mm. people don't mind it. Some people don't have a good sense of smell, or you know, some people have a heightened sense of smell. It depends on who you're dealing with in the room with you. So, don't I? I I want you to relax a little and not so feel so paranoid. Like we're okay. I think it's good to smell the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's not so awful. I wanted to say tell all smellers that it's not so. You know, get to know the the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, if it becomes Overpowering and it's too long. The people that are with you, they'll tell you. They'll be like, let's open yeah. a window. Let's open a window. Yeah. But I hope yeah. and I and want as you long as they relax say, a little yeah. bit more about it. It's not, it's not, I guess I want you to feel like even though food smells and stuff are, you know, they're not nice and people go, ew, it smells in here. That's just a natural reaction.
1: Yeah. It's not like directed at me personally. <laughs> no, no, yeah.
0: no, 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 not at all.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. Thank you. So so I heard that sm- sweat doesn't smell bad but it turns to BO if you don't clean it. So like how
0: long does that take? <laughs> and then you said should I worry about long workouts? Yeah, exactly. What? Like if I'm It'll in be the fine gym- for an hour.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like if I'm working out for an hour, like should I like have a warning sign on me as I walk out or will it be okay in- like until I can get to a shower?
0: I think the best thing that you can look for as an odor cue is sweat marks on your body. So if you just feel like you're sopping in sweat, so sweat itself doesn't have an odor when it's extruded from your body. Although if you've eaten certain things, if you've eaten like garlicky things or um, onions, um, a lot of spices, for, they ooze out of your pores strangely enough, I'm looking at like, what? But so sometimes people have certain body odors based on what they've eaten. If they eat it kind of regularly kind of becomes part of their body odor. So if you're in a culture that uses a lot of garlic and onions in, in your dishes, and you're just used to having that all the time, it, it, it will, but you know, that's a side note, I would say for you, as far as Um, when you're working out or when you're sweating use it as a cue like did I have a really intense workout just now yeah I'll probably the bacteria just from sweating you know comes out odorless and then over time the bacteria start to form on the sweat and that's when it starts to smell bad
1: Mm. yeah that makes sense
0: it depends on how much you've been working out really yeah or how much you've been nervous during the day? Because I was going to say nervous I get it. makes you sweaty too.
1: I literally, I get it when I cry. I get it if I've been on if I've had to have too many phone
0: calls during the day. I'm yeah. Like, oh. So you, you mean you start sweating?
1: Yeah. So I keep a spare t-shirt at my desk because oh, I like okay. I just don't know. So I change.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you have a designated nose, who you feel comfortable asking? Have them smell it sometime just to see what they if they think it's offensive, just to get a context for how bad it is. I bet it's not as bad as you believe it might be.
1: Yeah, I think that's the issue. When you only have the visual cue, you think, oh, as soon as I see a sweat patch, that must mean everyone around me like with a five-mile radius is just repelled. But actually, that's probably not the case. I've got a little bit of time. Yeah. It's not quite that bad yet. You can take a deep breath.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly.
1: So I read that some cleaning products can't be mixed because they're either like toxic or they create bad smells like which ones?
0: So this was new to me because I always just use my I don't mix my cleaning products so much. I mean, I, I pretty much have a bottle of whatever cleaning spray I have or this and that and then I use it individually. So this was new to me, so I hadn't thought about it much. So I went online, and there's um, the American Cleaning Institute here in the US. So I'll just read what they say Mixing cleaning products can lead to irritated airways, respiratory problems, or burns to skin, eyes, throat, nose, and lungs. Some gases created from combined cleaning products cause damage to the nervous system, eyes, lungs, skin, liver. I mean, it sounds even death. That sounds very like a lawyer made them put it all in. <laughs> <laughs> but generally they say don't mix hydrogen peroxide and vinegar bleach and ammonia bleach and rubbing alcohol and bleach and vinegar
1: so So, don't touch bleach yeah (laughs) or or use
0: bleach on its own yeah Yeah. don't start mixing bleach with other things but the safest thing is just use when you go to a store and you buy a cleaning product if that's what you do unless Mm. you make your own at home I'm not sure but no (laughs) No. (laughs) Some people do. Um, just you're you're fine using it as is. And and just you're spraying it on a counter and then you wipe and then you use something else on that same counter, you know, as long as you're wiping away, you know, as long as you're yeah. starting to mix a lot of things together.
1: Yeah. I just think because I like I won't notice until it's like too late that I've mixed stuff. I get really paranoid when I read stuff like that. because oh. I'm like, oh, because I won't necessarily notice until like it's too late. And I'm like part okay. like fainted on the floor because I've inhaled too much of it because it's just like it happens with paint all the time like I'll be painting
0: mm.
1: and then and then it's like I'll have to sit down because I'm dizzy and like I sh- I, I probably should have realized before in- before this point but it just didn't occur to me yeah
0: yeah
1: not what I was inhaling because I can't sense if I'm inhaling anything
0: you know, these masks that we're being forced to wear on <laughs> yeah. now? You might want to keep those after we don't have to wear masks anymore. <laughs> and if you're painting, you know, it might be good to...
1: Or just open a window, you know. Or <laughs> open a
0: window. There you go. Now that you know all about airflow and diffusion... <laughs> the window's are key. <laughs> your window is your friend.
1: Yeah. Um, how long can you leave washing in the machine before you should just wash it again?
0: <laughs> um, this is funny because... Um, I think you don't have to worry about this one. You can leave it there for a while and it'll be fine. Obviously, if if something is, I looked this up online because I've never even thought about this because I've left my clothing, you know, after it's done washing. I forgot, we put things in the dryer here a lot in the US. I know in Europe, the dryers aren't used as much. Are they used a lot in uh, the UK?
1: We use them on and off. Like if there's a lot more of a, washing line culture so Mm -hmm. like if you can use the washing line you do but we have awful weather so it doesn't really
0: work (laughs) so you need to have it as a backup a dryer
1: so we often have a dryer as a like that we use when we like when we can't use the washing line
0: so because I can smell I've had things sit overnight and then the next day I'm like oh do I need to rewash this most of the time you're fine okay usually about eight to 12 hours you know if you've left them there for a couple of days might be good to just put it on the short cycle and just refresh it a bit yeah but not too much to worry about there unless you have a really yucky washing machine like if it's if it seems dirty on its own you know then you might have to worry about it but I doubt that that's the case
1: yeah that that's helpful because I see it all the time where people are like oh I forgot to put it in the dryer I better turn it on again I'm like how many times are you doing this because like I can easily forget <laughs>
0: yeah I wouldn't yeah you don't need Hmm. to always rewash
1: how long does clothing last between washes
0: again here it depends (laughs) so what were you doing when you wore the clothes if it's day-to-day clothes if it's not workout clothes um if you haven't been sweating that much you know like I wear a lot of layers especially in the winter so i'll have a t-shirt on underneath and then i'll wear a sweater over it um most of the time i'll i won't wash the sweater <laughs> i'm revealing a lot about myself here now but i'll just i'll wash the t-shirt if it's just been a normal day because it's the t-shirt that's been in contact with my skin not yeah. the sweater over it as much so um i'll wear a sweater a couple of times hmm?
1: if it helps my personal system which i have spoken about multiple times is that like i only wash like the outer stuff so like trousers and jumper i wash it every like four days four to five days and then anything like touch like that's on me like underwear or like t-shirts i wash every day yeah and do you think that's that's reasonable as long as i'm not like running a marathon
0: yeah for everyday i mean if you're highly nervous all the time and you're sweating a lot <laughs> then then but again, yeah, I think what you're doing is perfect.
1: Yeah, luckily I I don't do to like my work clothes. That's just one layer, so that's when I'm nervous. That's when I have to make all my phone calls. Okay. So they get washed every day, regardless. Okay. Very good. <laughs> so next one. This one's particularly relevant for me with um IBS. Uh, is there a way to tell if a fart or poo is smelly? <laughs> This one was a fun
0: one. Let's get into this one. (laughs) This is the one that keeps me up at night. (laughs) All right. So I had to do a little investigating into, um, you know, flatulence (laughs) because I haven't thought about it much. Generally speaking, as a layperson, to me, farts are smelly. So you can usually, if they're within a vicinity of you, even if you can hear it, then more than not things smell but i wanted to do a little investigating about I was say what a fart they is. always say that there's ones that don't smell but you can hear and then you can get the silent but deadly ones like this is what
1: this is what
0: people <laughs> have told me have they been lying <laughs> so here here's are some facts um so the body produces intestinal gas as part of the process of digestion that's just normal for us and once this gas is inside the body it needs to be released somehow so you either burp or you fart. It comes out two different ways. So and a funny statistic I read, the average person passes gas about 12 to 25 times a day. And it really depends on what you've eaten because it's about your digestion. So 99% of the gas that's passed, I like that, the gas that's passed, is odorless. 99%. So it has things like nitrogen, oxygen, hydrogen, carbon dioxide, methane in it. A fart, let's say, but the remaining one percent of the gas has a bad smell. So even though it's only one percent, it must it's it's usually this smell usually has hydrogen sulfide in it, which is this rotten egg smell. It's very sulfuric. So that's all it takes. It's just this little one percent. Now, depending on what you've eaten, so it says that it's in the colon where many gas-producing bacteria thrive on foods that contain poorly digested starches and sugar. So if you're eating foods that your colon has to work really hard to digest. So smelly gas forms as the bacteria ferment these foods when they pass through the colon. So that's how the smelly gases come through. Um, to decrease gas generated digestion, there are certain gas producing foods you might wanna eat mod- moderation. So if you don't wanna have smelly farts, it's like beans. Our big culprits cabbage broccoli and a lot of whole grains
1: yeah I mean I avoid a whole grains as part of the IBS like
0: okay you've already learned because, that. Yeah, yeah
1: because like I avoid eating like I avoid fiber and onions and garlic and all of that just to try and help it but it's interesting that like actually it should all smell it's just I guess it's like how far like it gets like how much, I guess, and whether or not it crosses that threshold. So if it's this tiny one, you might be okay.
0: Um, I did want to mention a a fun fact that I learned while I was learning about um, flatulence. (laughs) I'm sorry for your Google history. I feel (laughs) like I've ruined it. (laughs) No, no, no. um, So in ancient Rome, passing gas in public was illegal. I don't know how they could make that illegal but during the time of King Henry VII in England a hearty belch after a meal was quite acceptable so just a little fun fact that I thought I'd share <laughs> all right on to the next question
1: is anosmia the reason the lavender didn't help with my insomnia
0: so what did you do you bought some lavender oil oh I I
1: had insomnia from like when I was a child like as long as I remembered, I can remember I've had it like issues with sleep. So my at one point it got really like my family got really into it and they bought me all the lavender. Like I had pillow fragrance, I had a candle, I had like things to go on your temples, like they got me the pouches. I think they even like got me a lavender pillow. Like it was lavender everywhere, but obviously (sighs) it didn't do anything. Okay. But is that because I can't smell or
0: All right, So the first thing I have to preface about this, because I do get asked by people with anosmia, since I'm an aromatherapist, can essential oils help me? (laughs) And the first caveat I have to make is, if you think there's very little research on anosmia in general in the scientific community, the combination of uh, information on how essential oils work on people with anosmia is even less. So that's my first caveat. Scientifically, we don't have a lot of data. There are There's one study that's interesting <laughs> that um, was done on mice that gives you a little bit of a reference. They they were able to make these mice anosmic in some way, so they couldn't smell. And, and they were trying to test them um, to see if the lavender essential oil aroma when inhaled, if that's necessary um, for them to have anxiety relieving benefits so like can can it work physically instead of just psychologically so what the results showed that was that just the mice having anosmia didn't interfere with the anxiolytic like effects of lavender essential oil inhalation so at at certain concentrations so when it was a really small concentration it didn't work but when it was a higher concentration so this is on mice it's not on humans yeah. But it showed that there's two main components in lavender essential oil, linalool and linol acetate. And um, you don't have to memorize that. But, um, these two components are kind of what help you to, to calm down. You know, they're anti-anxiolytics, which means that it also helps you fall asleep, right? Because the more relaxed you are, the more likely you are to fall asleep. So um, they do, there have been studies to show that these two chemical components in the lavender help you physically in certain, depending on how you inhale it in certain ways. But again, it's just in, in your case, I don't think they've ever studied it where it was just a physical. So even a study that I found on humans, um, they were massaging it, the lavender essential oil on their skin and, and that seemed to calm people down. And they found yeah. those two chemical components inside their bodies. So they're like, oh, this has a physical effect. But at the same time, these people were people who could smell so they didn't, you know, separate it out for the fact that maybe the smelling the lavender helped them. Yeah. So again, there's not enough science to to show it yet. So I mean, lavender essential oil on its own is never going to help you, you know, it's it's not <laughs> yeah. it's not a drug, it's not a pill that you take that helps you, you know, solve all problems. Yeah. There's so many factors that go into not being able to fall asleep. It's just one tool that we used to help just calm you down before you go to sleep, but I would say yeah. essential oils are probably not going to be much benefit to you at this point.
1: Yeah. I think, I think that's or the psychological key. things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the key thing, isn't it? Like actually in this example, it probably wasn't going to help because there are probably other factors at play, but actually what you said about Valentine's day and like how the chemicals are still entering you. So like yes. if, if they can get in and they can still do their job, it's just, you don't like, you don't necessarily if it's purely psychological, you might not have that connection to the relaxation and therefore you might not trigger it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I wish they'd do more studies on it. So it's do just I, not a priority wish, right now, I think. I so. just wish
1: they'd do any research and if they do include a congenital and Osmic, just for fun it's (laughs) true because they do a lot on
0: smell loss but they don't do a lot for congenital anosmics and they don't even bother
1: including us in the sample like even just one or two i appreciate that's not a fair sample but at least then you'd have some idea of the like which way like if they follow more of the anosmic trend or more of the regular trend or like are off on their own you know but that's a whole different problem (laughs) (laughs) all right i hope that helps a little bit it it really does. Thank you. Um what is the difference between BO and personal smell? Because like I've heard this thing of personal smell. And does BO just smell like that but worse? Or is it like a completely different?
0: I love this question because I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce you maybe you've heard this or maybe you haven't, but let's start with a personal smell. So each one of us has a personal smell. We actually all have an odor print, just like you have a fingerprint, you have an odor print, uh, whether you can, and most of us can't smell our So we can't smell ourselves. We don't know what our own odor is because we were surrounded by it all the time. So we don't know, but other people can sense our odor print, but basically an odor print comes about by the fact that you have your own unique set of genes. So they're a genotype for your immune system. Just like you have a, a gene expression for your eye color that then you know proceeds to express itself on your body um, through the color of your eyes. Um, you have a, a genotype for your immune system, and that's your odor print, which I think is so cool. So we all have our own odor print. Um, so that means for us people who can smell, we are actually subconsciously smelling the other person's odor all the time, their personal odor. Now, of course, tons of people are wearing perfume or cologne or, you know, this lotion or that. So your natural odor print is being, you know, muted out by all these other things, that scented products that people are wearing all the time. So it's hard to do that. But if nobody were to wear any scented products or have any scented things on them, and they just had their pure uh, personal odor, you know, that can attract people to certain other types of people and i won't get into all of that here but there's a lot you yeah know, you've heard about that right
1: yeah i've heard about that and that's one of the things that i think that comes up quite a lot in the kind of congenital and anathmic community is like that's one of the things that you connect with and what how you know you're compatible with someone like is this smell like and if you like the other person smelling it's part of the evolution of people is like you pick someone people who with opposite yes, immune systems smell good to smell. you. Yes. So it's just like I'm osmics are just here creating a less like a less diverse immune system.
0: <laughs> so I think people have been I, I want you to feel more relaxed about this because as I was just saying, so many people are wearing so many scented products that this whole concept, it probably worked a lot long time ago when we were before all those scented things were invented, people were actually finding each other through their odor much more but we we've, we've, we're constantly disguising our natural personal odor so I feel like a lot of us are living like in an a anosmic in that sense because you can't really tell there's a lot of people who probably um are dating who wouldn't be compatible if everything was stripped down to just their personal odor um so I I, I think you, you worry a lot about the intimacy factor part though don't you like
1: Yeah, I think it comes up quite a lot in kind of when we're having discussions and kind of I think it also comes up quite a lot with kind of the acquired nosmics because they're kind of used to smelling people
0: Mm. and used
1: to having that feedback and knowing if they like someone or don't like someone based on their smell. So it's like, yeah, I think that's one of the things that comes up quite a lot it's just kind of like what other people smell like and your connection to them whether that's partners whether that's family whether that's your children yeah so I think and yeah
0: I I, you and I talked about this before we we started recording and I I thought maybe this might be a good time to mention this idea of the of the circle the pie oh yes of it because I, I, I really loved how you know I don't know if you want to describe it or if, if I should describe it it's up to you really
1: yeah I mean you said first that you consider all having all five cir- senses like a circle or a pie and then I just kind of bundled in on it and said yeah, yeah when you only have four it's not necessarily that Um, if you've been born with four it's not necessarily like having lost a sense where it's like someone's taken a slice out of your pie and it's really noticeable that it's not there yeah it's more like you've just been got you've just baked a smaller pie
0: no I wouldn't even argue it's it's, the same size pie it's just redistributed
1: yeah it's just redistributed like you just and you don't know like what everyone else is looking at or what everyone else has you just got your pie and you don't notice what's not there
0: and and because I might have because I have all five and that's filling up my entire circle pie, whatever you want to call it. um, That means I probably have a little less in vision, a little less in touch. You know, all the other senses are, I mean, some might be more than others, but you still have four others.
1: Yeah. Um, And and
0: they're going to be that much more present relative to those who have all five senses. So.
1: Exactly, yeah. You just learn to live with what you have. Uh, Like more so if you've never had it, obviously it's much harder if it's stripped from you. But if you've never had it, you just learn to live with what you have and you do uh, event. Like I'm sure some of my other senses have stepped up to the plate because often I'm at like events that fifth sense run and they're talking and part of the introduction they often do is like explaining the difference between smell and taste. And the examples they always give are things I, so they'll they'll say something like, "Oh, lemon and lime, you you smell the difference rather than taste the difference." And I'm like, "No, no, no! no. <laughs> if you've never been able to smell, you can taste the difference. There are there is a difference there. Like it's just yes. you guys are too used to relying on other things to yes. tell that difference, whereas I've only ever known like one is slightly different, and I like I just know,
0: right." I mean, like a grapefruit gives you a different sensation versus a lime, Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's, your taste is more heightened. You're, you're more aware. And I guess, so looping that back to this personal odor uh, and, and intimacy and um, connecting with another person through their odor, just because you don't have that experience of the odor, you you know, I would, I guess I would just encourage you to tap into the other four senses. There's other yeah. ways of connecting. I think we get caught up in what's on the internet, and what's out there. And, you know, I'm less than because I don't have this what's out there on in the internet. And that's just not the case. You're going to use your other four senses that much more strongly than that's all it is, is redistributing the pie.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that's kind of part of the reason why I think these questions are so important is so that people realize that actually the, this is how much we don't understand and actually how little it matters that we don't understand like you guys harp on about how important like the smell connection is but actually like it's not the be all and end all if you don't have it and I that's kind of what I try and preach quite a lot when I when I talk to other people who have lost their sense of smell obviously go through the grief process it is a grief it is a loss however it is like any grief there is a possibility of living Past it, if you can just redirect your focus away from constantly looking at what isn't there and focus on what you still have. That's my hashtag, still got four. (laughs) Like, oh, that's great.
0: I love that. Still got four. That's great. That should trend. We want that to trend. (laughs) Still got four. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. So then body odor separately, I would say, is just more about what you're eating and what you're like the activities you're doing you know kind of outside of your actual personal odor print
1: so it's it's a completely different thing it's not kind of based on it's not like a heightened or worse version of
0: so we don't want to compartmentalize anything right so I would just say that you have your personal odor and then on top of that comes the body odor or or based on what you've eaten if you've eaten a lot of garlic onions I don't know curries cumin things that can ooze through your pores or if you've been working out heavily and you're sweating a lot and the bacteria is starting to build up you know that's going to cause more body odor
1: yeah it's typically seen
0: as a negative body odor
1: yeah whereas personal smell is just kind of a positive if neutral
0: exactly
1: okay so this I find magical can you tell if food is done just by the smell? And it's not like burning. I mean, like, could you like put a cake in the oven and not set a timer just because you can smell when
0: it's there? I love this question because I actually had to put it aside and over a weekend because I like to cook and bake over the weekend. I'm like, I'm going to try this out, (laughs) see if I can. Because actually as a smelling person, I don't think about it. I'm just using all five of my senses to see if something's done. If I'm lazy and I just put a timer on, you know, it's going to take, this cake's going to take 45 minutes. Now I can walk away and do other things. Um, I don't sit there in the kitchen and, and continue to smell until I feel like it's done. And that's the thing. It's just like, you're kind of like, you, you put on a timer so you can walk away and do other things. But if I had to think about it and I had to like consciously think about it, what happens is, especially for baking, which people love the smell of baked goods, it's just a, it's a positive smell um you can start to tell when a cake's you know kind of done it it changes there's there's the smell at the beginning when you put a cake in usually doesn't have a smell at all and then as the heat kicks in and and the oven you know changes the molecular structure of, of the cake then it does start to um give you this beautiful smell of baked goods a lot of you know depending on what you put in it so i have gone into another room you know like sometimes the 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 timer will go off and i'm like oh yeah i'll get there in a minute because i'm in the middle of something and then i'll forget and then suddenly it gets really really done not that it's burnt especially if cookies yeah. burn really quickly um if you don't you know i've st- done that stick with the time <laughs> um then you notice things are burned it's usually <laughs> so you can you have to put your attention on it you can get lazy and use a timer um, but if you were to really think about it, which I had to do because you asked this question, thank you for that. Um, yeah, you, you, you technically could be able to tell when something's done. That's really interesting. Yeah.
1: Cause it's like one of those things that I've heard that, oh, you can smell like this smell of something done, like, or freshly baked is really nice. And it's like, well, it didn't t- smell like that before. It doesn't smell like that. If it goes too far, therefore there must be that point and therefore you must be able to detect it and it's just it by the sounds of it it's just that people don't bother to pay attention to it exactly that they're not using that to their advantage exactly so this one you've you've answered i think previously because it's um how do you stop a room from smelling because i heard somewhere that you can hoover smell (laughs)
0: and if you I can, could go around with a hoover that vacuum would be cleaner for us Americans <laughs> sorry <laughs> so you, does hoovering it up work so in the air like if you were to actually yeah
1: like hoover the yeah. air <laughs> or like hoover my sofa if I've like sat on it when I shouldn't
0: have you're so worried about sitting on a sofa I'm a little I uh, No, I'm but it's because like that
1: yeah. It's because, like, if I sat down after I was, after I'd been around a fire or after I'd been for, like, a run, I was like, no, 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 you're not allowed to touch any soft furnishings. You just have to go and get in the shower. <laughs> like, I wasn't allowed to touch anything
0: soft. Oh, <laughs> so I get well, really paranoid. I do have to tell you that the, the smoky smell. It, yeah. It, it's... um. It does get into porous things. So like in your, like if you go to a nightclub and people are smoking or something, that smell of the smoke will stay in your hair because your hair is really porous and in your clothing too, because that tends to be porous. So these odor molecules just kind of stick to them over time. And again, depending on how heavy the molecule is and stuff, things linger longer. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, it's probably not a good idea to sit on a sofa. Maybe if it's a leather sofa, that's not so porous. Right. So think about how porous things might be, (laughs) I guess.
1: Yeah. So like air out a room and maybe avoid the hoover.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's funny. I would air out the room. I did want to, are you familiar with odor adaptation? Have you heard about that? Nope. Okay. So that's something we smelling people, for those who are listening, who can smell, maybe you're not familiar with this, that um, we have something in our sense of smell Um, when you have a healthy sense of smell called odor adaptation. And what that means is basically we can get used to a smell after a certain period of time. Um, And the reason our sense of smell does that is to keep us safe. So if you have the smell of something consistent, like your house, it has a smell. Every house has a smell because odor molecules are in the air from any everything, right? So, but you're in that house every day. So you don't register that smell consciously anymore. Like it's, it's just, it's background noise because your sense of smell is trying to pick up if there's uh, anything dangerous. Maybe there's a fire, maybe there's, you know, this or that. It's kind of looking out for things that are not familiar. It's, it's part of our survival mechanism. So after about 10 to 15 minutes, if it's smelling the same thing for 10, 15 minutes, it shuts off the connection from your nose to your brain because it's trying to save it for other things that are novel smells that we aren't familiar with. So that's that's what I find so interesting when you go to somebody else's house, you can smell their house and they might not even notice it but then yeah. or if you go on vacation if you leave your house for a period of time like a week you come back and you're like oh my gosh or plus also it's usually stagnant air because people haven't been moving in the house mm. it so it has a smell as well okay that we notice
1: I, I think like I would know that as nose blind because there's a lot of adverts in the UK that say oh you've got nose blind
0: oh is that what they that normally, refer to yeah. it as oh the Febreze it, commercials I think, yeah I yeah
1: yeah it's like for, for air freshener, it's like, you're nose blind. It's like, yes.
0: I find, <laughs> I find that a very, personally, I find that a very negative way of looking at things. I, yeah. And I'm like,
1: I'm nose blind. You're not nose blind. what well, is
0: the word <laughs> like, blind as if that's a yeah. negative, you know, like nose. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. We won't get into that.
1: No. So uh, the next question is, does burning s- smell different from smoke? So like, yeah, when you're cooking, does the burning smell different from like, say you're just like at a campfire or whatever and there's smoke in the air? Yeah,
0: everything will smell different because (laughs) everything is made of different chemical components. So it depends on what you're burning. (laughs) And the smoke is typically, I mean, I guess one way to look at it, the smoke of anything that you're burning is the most volatile component. So that's actually the smell. You know, there's the physical wood that you're seeing, for instance, burning, but it's whatever's diffusing in the air. That's the 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 smell or the smoke. So that but makes sense. It all depends on what it is that you're burning. Cooked yeah. food is different to wood is different to plastic is different to.
1: I think that's what my, people must mean when they talk about different, the difference between burning and smoke. They must mean like smoke is in like things you're intentionally burning like wood versus the burning of things that you're not trying to burn like Like toast
0: burnt toast yeah yeah those are different Uh odor molecules than yeah wood yeah
1: yeah that makes sense so i read in a book that someone could tell that they were dreaming because there was no smell and i was like do you not smell in your dreams because for me everything that I experience in life I experience in my dreams because you know I see I hear I
0: touch even taste do you taste anything well I don't eat a lot during my dreams I tend to be running isn't that funny yeah (laughs) it made me think too do I ever smell in my dream I've never smelled anything in my dreams ever I mean maybe I You know, I forget a lot of my dreams, too. Mm. They have to be pretty vivid. But like you, they're more action oriented and motion oriented. (laughs) They're not really sensory as such. Um, But do you want to know a fun fact just about your sense of smell in general? Yeah. A- a- and nighttime when you're sleeping, it's actually mm-hmm. one of the least productive senses while you're sleeping. It's the most dormant. So Dr. Rachel Hertz, who also works with fifth mm. sense, who I've had on the podcast, she does a lot. She's a psychologist, does a lot of work on her sense of smell. So she did some research and experiments um, where she found that people don't respond to odors um, while they're in the dreaming phase of sleep in their REM phase of sleep, or even in deep sleep. So I guess they put, you know, maybe some smoke or something in the room while people were in these stages of sleep and they didn't respond, but if they heard a noise or if a light was shining on them, then they responded. So that's, that gives you a sense that your sense of smell isn't very active while you're sleeping, which is different than do you smell, you know, dreams. Yeah, I I recognize those are two different answers. Oh no,
1: but that's actually really helpful to know because like a lot of fear and it fit a uh, big fear for an anosmics is that our house will burn down while we're asleep and we won't know but actually by the sounds of it if you don't have a working smoke alarm no one will know exactly like, if you're in the wrong like actually the smell isn't helping anyone else nope. out more than no we're, we're at the same it's a level playing field when you're asleep i like that i'm gonna sleep <laughs> more because <laughs> if my boyfriend asked me why I sleep I'm like I'm leveling the playing field it's <laughs> fine <laughs> I like that's that. gonna, yeah but that's really interesting because I guess that's a clearer indication for you of what of when you're dreaming versus when you're not so like it's like oh I guess there was no smell so therefore it must have been a dream whereas I'm like did that actually happen in real life
0: Or did I dream it? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to pay attention to my dreams a little more and see if any of them are smell related, but I don't recall that any of them have been. (laughs) Now, somebody might send me a message and say, I've had lots of smell dreams. Could be possible. I'll let you know if people contact me. Yes, please
1: do. (laughs) Um, And my last question, guys, (laughs) is um, what questions can I use or anosmics use to help others describe smells to us because you know we say oh what does that smell like or can you explain that to us but actually for most people that's not enough of a prompt they're just kind of very vague about it because they don't know how to describe it so is there anything that I can use to help them Okay. Get 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 to the point where I need them to be.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. And I'm so glad you're asking this because you know this is what I love to do is to describe smells in lots of different ways. That's like my my thing. So I'm happy to end on this question. So most of us who can smell don't aren't able to describe smells very well, unfortunately, which doesn't help you guys very much. (laughs) I'm I'm very sorry to say, but I'm I'm trying to change that and get people to think about it more because if you if you actually pay attention, you can train your brain to think about it more, but you have to actually consciously. So if you want to know how does the room smell right now, right? If you have a designated nose that says, how does the room smell right now? I want you to ask these kinds of questions using your, your other four senses. Okay. And I, first I would start with just a simple question to them and say, does it smell good or bad? Because our brain is kind of wired to think about comparisons. we are always polarizing things, right? So just start with well, is it good or is it bad? So you can put it into a context of good or bad. Then move into more kind of the temperament. Ask them to think about, is it a strong smell or is it a weak smell? And if that doesn't, if they don't know what that is, go, did it hit your nose really quickly or did it take some time for it to hit your nose? Like you have to smell really hard. So does, it, does that help you a little bit to get a That way it gives you yeah. context of it. And then after that, then you get into the fun kind of things, start going through your other four senses and go, well, what if it if the scent had that you're smelling here, this room, if it had a taste, what taste would it be? Is it a sweet smell? Is it more of a salty smell? You know, is it a bitter, yeah. sour? Start, start going through the tastes. That's and, the one I use a lot. Yeah, I often yeah. do that. Yeah. Is it a sweet smell? Is it a salty smell? I mean, because you can relate to that. That means mm. something to you. Um, Just like mouthfeel. I even tell people to start using words like mouthfeel. Is it like kind of like a, it sounds funny, but it works. Is it a gritty kind of smell or is it a fatty smell? Is it a creamy smell? Because smells have these, these aspects to them. So, and that could mean something to you, I assume.
1: Yeah. Like it's one of those things people always say, oh, it's not helpful to say that this smells like that because I can't smell either of them. So what's the point? And actually, but that, I, I feel like that's the wrong aptitude to take. Yes. Um, because actually, if you're describing colour to, to a colorblind person or a blind person, you can still say that trees and grass are the same colour or a similar colour. That still helps them figure out the high kind of world as it is. Like yeah. knowing the like wood smells like my wooden table Yeah, great like I can connect those now I know that these are kind of in the same family but that's a very like orange that's a completely different place yeah that's completely different so actually knowing that things are like like I can start like something
0: or different to something
1: yeah and kind of even words like creamy like like, okay and some that was also creamy so they're like this in that way but not And then so you just start kind of,
0: compartmentalizing it in your brain. Yeah, exactly. You and You put have them to into the compartments, more, yeah.
1: Yeah, you have to be far more analytical when you don't have smell and you don't just experience it because you have to kind of understand it far more than other people might just to be able to kind of get through the day.
0: Yeah, yeah. So just to finish, because I, I think um, this is also important, if you think about what a smell could look like. So does it look bright does it look dark um does it look flat does it look thick does it look um heavy you know is it long i like to use like is it a long smell or is it a short smell is it matte or is it shiny like that those things mean things to you don't they yeah that yeah
1: is, and it's really weird because it kind of conjures up that image that we always see of smell in like cartoons where you have the wavy cloud and that's yeah. why it's so confusing like how does it work because i can't see a cloud
0: like <laughs> right it's invisible yeah 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 no it's true and then the last one just sound so is it a faint sound is it a is the smell you know is it fizzy does it have is it a melodic sound because Smells actually change depending on airflow and how much is coming into your nose. You know, um, so they they have a sound rhythm to them as well. So it's going to be hard for people to do it at first, but I'm trying to get as many people as possible to start looking at it in the context of all five senses and in your case, the four senses
1: yeah and I think also if you ask the same kind of questions each time people start to kind of think in those terms yes and therefore they'll be like right so last time I said this okay so what would I do how is this one different and therefore like you start paying attention and if you're kind of used to the same like question pattern like preparing yourself for it (laughs) like an exam
0: (laughs) right no no, but it forces the smellers to think about what they're smelling. And that Which makes is, me happy.
1: It's good for everyone.
0: <laughs> good for everyone. It's good for everyone, because that means you're, you're in the present moment, you're connecting with your environment and you're helping somebody else at the same time. So exactly. I hope those things help. Let me know if your designated nose can start thinking in those terms.
1: <laughs> I, I'll try um, out that, that tactic, go, go through,
0: <laughs> yeah. Excellent, excellent. All right, so I asked Charlie if she'd be up because I always ask three questions at the end um, to my guests and I wasn't sure if it was going to mean anything to her and she wants to take a stab at it. She was like, yes, please ask me the three questions at the end of the podcast. So here we are. I'm going to ask you the three questions.
1: Yay. I was pretty Um, adamant because I've been listening for so long. I was like, I'm ready for these questions.
0: I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to hear what your interpretation is. Cool. Cool. So do tell me, what's your favorite smell right now, Charlie?
1: So in the spirit of still got four, (laughs) I don't have a favorite smell, but my favorite taste is chocolate. Okay. My favorite touch is my new carpet. If you step on it, you'd understand. It's amazing. Um, Or like mossy grass. Oh, nice. Uh, My favorite sound is rain. Mm Mm-hmm. And my favourite sight is like a campfire, because I like watching the flames dance and the sparks in the air.
0: It's so, I love hearing that, because all of those things that you said, they're also people's favourite smells. So really, they're all connected, because our senses are connected. Exactly. You you love seeing the fire, but you probably love the crackling sound of the fire as well. You love the vision, you know, and there's so... It's all connected. Yeah, I could clear. I could put fire for like most of them. <laughs> I just like all all the way up. primal <laughs> for us fire. <laughs> yeah, excellent. All right, so the second one. Well, I'm gonna I'm curious what you're gonna say about this one. But your favorite scent memory.
1: So, um, I kind of have two. Like as as you might have guessed, I'm campfire is something that I really connect to and immediately draws me back because. I'm quite involved in the scouts. Um, So I do camp, I've camped my whole life. I'm always around fires, often very large ones. Um, So just like the sight, the sound, the feeling of the cold ground, or like even if you're standing up, one half of you is really warm and the other half of you is freezing. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just like this, like the smoke in the air, like, and the air gets thicker. So it's like I can, like I can feel that there's smoke. And like marshmallows and all of that, so that whole environment. Every time I'm there, even and any time I think about, if it, like I light a candle, I'm like, oh, I just really want to be near a campfire. I'll remember when, like, this fire happened. Remember then when that fire happened? <laughs> I just think of all
0: oh, of the fires so and the people that you're surrounded by yeah. at that time too. It's that the community,
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's all the song, the songs we sing around the fire and you know all of the different experiences that we've had and it's just yeah I, I love a fire and, uh, then, <laughs> good. and then the other one is uh, pastrami um, because my when I was um, younger my dad um, at one point decided that we were going to have bagels he found them in the shop so he bought loads of packets of bagels and bought every single topic he could topping he could think that could go on bagels and it's the first time I've ever eaten pastrami and now every single time I eat it it's specifically pastrami every single time it just takes me back and I just think about that day and my dad like laying out all of these ingredients and us having a bagel like day of
0: trying all of these different things you know what when I hear that you say that there have to be taste memories thank you for joining me on an aromatic life if you're interested in learning more about your sense of smell from all different perspectives subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends too and it would be really helpful if you could rate the podcast so it helps others find it too I also invite you to check out my website, falkaromatherapy.com, where you'll find information about workshops, courses, and other programs I offer. And make sure you grab my free audio training, How to Smell to Be Well, which you can download from my website. Until next time, remember to smell everything and have a wonderful day.